Good evening, y'all, and happy Lord's Day. Thank you. It is really good to see y'all tonight. Um, guys, <clears throat> this past week, I went on retreat with our seminarians uh, for three days. It was really, really cool just to get them away from the semester, the busyness, and prepare two of our guys to be ordained to be deacons, transitional deacons. So that means they'll be priests next year. So it's just a really cool experience to be with them. Um, and then got home on Wednesday and moved right into the house of formation. So many of you have been a part of uh, that experience and that call, that vision, um, to, to form a house, to have a house to where young men can go and discern the priesthood. They'll be over there, they'll be seminarians, and they'll be growing in their faith and discerning, is this what God's calling me to, right? So a lot of excitement has been built around this for the past few months, and it finally has come into a reality. We got to move in, Father Patrick and I moved in. You know, I was, as I reflected on that whole experience, it was, a, it was quite the whirlwind raising all the money to purchase the house and to, uh, to draw people into the vision of the renewal of the, priest, of the priesthood. And um, there was a moment um, that we didn't get the first house that we were looking at. And I remember it shook me up, like my, my heart was all shaken up. And there was even some parts of me that was beginning to doubt, like, Lord, are you serious? Like, how did this happen? Like, are you, did you really call us to do this? Because everything we thought was moving in one direction, it just fell apart. Like, Lord, what are you doing? And it took good friends to sit there and remind me, no, Father Mitch, this is the Lord's vision. It's not yours. It's the Lord's, right? And the encouragement began to happen. And then another house didn't work. Another house didn't work until finally this fourth house right here, um, right on Dunbun Street, is the one that the Lord provided for us. But it was not an easy road emotionally, right? My heart was going ups and downs, right? Yes, this is what the Lord's calling. Boom, that one fell through. Lord, what are you doing? You know? And so sometimes we begin to doubt what God has done and even spoken in our lives, don't we? And it's okay to doubt. <laughs> All right? You got to hear that. It's okay to doubt. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. Listen to what Matthew's gospel said today. Today we celebrate Trinitarian Sunday, right? We, the reality that God is three persons in one. And the disciples are, they go up to meet Jesus. This is the end of Matthew's gospel, right? Jesus had died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And it says in verse 17, When they saw him, Jesus, they worshipped him and they doubted. Interesting, isn't it? Those words punched me in the face when I was preparing for this homily. They saw him, they worshipped him, and they doubted. And at first glance, I began thinking, what in the world were they doubting? Like, seriously, these were the guys that spent three years with Jesus. They were with him through all the miracles. They saw him raise Lazarus from the dead and the little girl, the 12-year-old from the dead. They saw him stop the woman's bleeding from hemorrhaging. They saw him multiply the fish and the loaves. They saw him walk on water. They saw him calm, calm the stormy seas. They saw him heal the blind man and the deaf person and the leopards get cleansed, baby soft skin. They saw Jesus for three years working miracle after miracle after miracle and even professed. As Peter did. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You are the Messiah. But in this moment, they saw, they worshipped, and they doubted. It blows my mind. Right? And then I think, well, Mitch, you're not too different. <laughs> I've seen amazing things in my life. 
God has poured out blessings upon blessings upon blessings. And there's moments in my life, maybe even in your life, where we get shaken up because we're like, Lord, what are you doing? Things happen in our lives. We might get sick or things go wrong or maybe we lose our job or things get tight or maybe we get broken relationships. Whatever it might happen, we begin to go, Lord, are you really serious? Are you really here? Are you really going to leave me alone in all this? Like, come on, God, where are you? And so maybe that's just part of the human experience, right? Does it mean you don't have faith? No. They saw him, they worshipped, and they doubted. You see, guys, doubt, doubt can do two things to us. It can either shut us down, boom. God, see you later. You didn't show up for me. You let that happen. I'm doubting who you are. I doubt your presence. I doubt your love for me. I doubt your omnipotence. See ya. Doubt can either lead us down a very dark road, some of which many of us have been down, or doubt can lead us to seek out truth, right? And whenever it leads us to seek out truth, we become stronger on the other side of it. You see, and that's why Jesus, I think it's so cool, like Jesus doesn't pay attention to their doubt. They see him, they're worshiping, they're in church basically, they're worshiping and they're doubting. And Jesus doesn't go, God, I can't believe you're doubting. Come on, man. He doesn't. He brings them right to the truth. So doubt in this experience is going to lead them to truth. He comes to them. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even though they doubt... He's still, he's overlooking that. And basically, he's going to say, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, all doubt's going to be gone. All fear is going to be gone. And I'm sending you with my authority to go and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like, that, that's really good news. That just because we doubt doesn't mean that Jesus is going to look at us and fuss us. No, Jesus is still going to give them power and a, his own authority to baptize. All right? So let's look at this real quick. Isn't that some cool stuff, though? Look at this real quick. We're going to see baptism, and we're going to see the Trinity. So let's start with the Trinity, because that's the hardest one, right? The Holy Trinity. I had an entire semester of Trinitarian theology, right? We studied the Trinity for a whole semester in seminary, and I still don't understand it, <laughs> Right? It's a difficult thing to understand. It's a difficult mystery, and it is a mystery, and that's why it's so difficult. Because as humans, we're not good with mystery, right? We like to put things in categories, in little boxes, and we like to figure it all out and have categorical uh, mathematical formulas, right? Uh, it doesn't work that way, right? We can't, we can't put the Trinity into a mathematical formula, right? If you would, it would sound something like this. One plus one plus one equals one. That's what the Trinity sounds like in a mathematical formula, right? One person, God the Father. One person, God the Son. One person, God the Holy Spirit equals one person, right? This Jesus core mathematics, right? It's crazy. And so what is the Trinity? In a nutshell, I'm just going to hit on this real quick. The Trinity is this. The Father, first of all, they always existed. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always existed. Forever and ever and ever. There was never, ever, 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 ever a time where they were not. All three of them always existed. 
And so you might look at us and go, well, who created them? Well, nobody created them because if someone did, then they would be God. So that's the first mystery. They always were. They always have been. They always will be, right? So the Father always existed. The Son always. The Holy Spirit always. So here's the deal. How do they, how they live? What's this trinity look like? Because we get to share in it. This is the cool part. So basically you have the Father, right? The Father sees the Son. And the Father, in that gaze of the Father, He sees the Son and He pours out His love upon the Son. All of His love. Now dads and moms, you can understand this. You looked at that little baby the first time you saw him and what happened? Love just went, that's mine. That's my kid. Right? It was just this encounter of love that was exchanged. But that little baby couldn't do anything. They, all they could do was just receive the love of the mom and dad, right? So that's a little understanding of it because the father just simply pours out his love upon the son. And then the son is over here and the son receives all the father's love. And A is able to give it all back to him. So there's this eternal exchange of love between the father and the son and the son to the father Right? It's an incredible exchange of love. St. Augustine says it this way. He says, When the Father looks at the Son, and the Son looks at the Father, they fall in love. And he says, There is a sigh of love. You know that one, right? Whenever you looked at your spouse for the first time, you went, Oh. You know, it's that gaze, that, that sigh, that words can't even express how much you love, right? <sighs> that's the breath of the Holy Spirit. That's the breath of love. Augustine says that's the holy breath. The sigh between the Father and the Son, that sigh of love. <sighs> the breath, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son exchanged for all of eternity. Right? For all of eternity. And that's what we get baptized in. Is in this breath of the Holy Spirit, in this exchange of love between the Father and the Son. Right? And so when do we first encounter the Holy Trinity? You ever thought about that? When was the first time you ever experienced the Holy Trinity in your life? It was a baptism. That's when it happened. Right? It's a baptism. You're a little bitty baby, and all of a sudden, you're baptized, and this water is poured upon your head, and it's baptized you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's an incredible moment that escapes our mind because of the reality that we're faced with. What happens in baptism? We're claimed. We're claimed for the Father. Original sin is washed away in baptism. And we become sons and daughters of the Most High God. Our Father comes to us and makes His dwelling. The Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit makes their dwelling inside that little body of that little baby. That baby becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit, a dwelling place for God. Like, that's all that happens in baptism. No big deal. <laughs> oh my gosh. Blows your mind. Like, seriously? The entire Trinity, the Creator, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, takes up shop in that little baby. And it's at that point that Paul speaks of, in that moment, he says, if you were led by the Spirit of God, you were sons of God, daughters of God. For you did not receive at baptism the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, 
but you receive the spirit of sonship. Right? Become a daughter and a son of God. In which we cry out, Abba, Father. You see, it's in that moment that we become beloved sons and daughters of God in baptism. There's something that happens inside of us that did not exist before, which caused our heart to cry out, Abba, Dada, my Father. And it's that cry that will always lead us back to Him. Because what happens is so many times in our lives, we begin to take a wayward path, right? Things happen. Life goes on. We experience sins. We experience attractions to things that we shouldn't really go towards. And we begin to struggle with things, don't we? And what happens is that we will begin to go down that wayward path. But something keeps pulling us back. Like, what is it? Why do, why do I feel like I'm not happy? My soul is not happy. My, my heart is not satisfied. It's not at peace. I thought this was going to give me peace. It hasn't given me peace. Why? Well, because our heart wasn't made for that. Our heart was made to cry. But it was made to cry out, Abba, Dada. And we try to, sat, we try to uh, just numb that cry with so many things. But we'll always lead us back. And see, that's the good news. What happened at baptism cannot be undone and it doesn't need to be redone. It can't be undone. You can't wash away that seal, that part of your heart that will always cry out, Abba. You can never make it go away. No matter how far in sin somebody goes, they will always be miserable. Why? Because sin brings about death. That's what sin does. And I will never, ever, ever be satisfied. Why? Because my heart was made to cry out for the Father. It was made to be in that embrace of the Father and the Son. And so this is where we go. This is our reality. Right? We can't erase it and we can't redo it. Don't get rebaptized. It only needs to happen once. You see, in the Catholic faith, if we don't have to get rebaptized, you just go to confession. That's your rededication to the Lord, right? So you're sealed by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in baptism. What a beautiful, unbelievable moment. And so what happens is that in our lives, I don't know about you, but this was me, there was a moment where I'm like, okay, God, this is really cool. There's that innocence of, of childhood, of youthfulness, and then things happen in our lives, doesn't it? And we begin to go. And it's almost as if we begin to run from the Father. We begin to run away from Him, and we go in our direction. But the reality is, this is what Augustine says, St. Augustine. He says the reality is that whenever we run away from the Father, we actually are running to the Son. And when we hit rock bottom, it's the Son who catches us. He catches us, and He embraces us, and we look into His face of mercy, and He says, I died for you. I've already redeemed you. I've healed you. I suffered that sin for you. And we run to Jesus. So in what I thought was me running away from God is actually us running to Jesus. Because in the end, that's where we end up. 
we end up in an encounter of mercy. And the moment, Augustine says this, is incredible. He says the moment we are embraced by Jesus, the Father embraces us and there's the Holy Spirit. And that's where the conversion happens. That's why we feel the love of the Holy Spirit so much. We're like, I feel love. And it's in that embrace that we can move mountains. It's in that embrace where we can overcome any sins that we've ever struggled with. It's in that embrace that I don't have to worry about anger. It's in that embrace that I don't have to worry about lust. It's that embrace that I don't have to worry about any of those things. Why? Because I know that I'm loved. And that heart's cry for Abba is perfectly fulfilled. I don't have to go searching for it anywhere else. Right? It's in the embrace that doubt disappears. And it's in the embrace that fear disappears. And so anytime we find ourselves doubting or fearful or struggling with different sins, all we have to do is realize who you are and whose you are. You've been claimed. And we don't have to leave that embrace. Just in the fear, just come. They, they saw, they worshipped, they doubted. It was in the worship, they still doubted. So even whenever I doubt, Lord, even when I'm feared with fear, Lord, I still want to worship. And in that, I know He will heal. And He will draw us into that deep love that our hearts all desire. And so wherever you find yourself at today, <clears throat> know that it's okay to be right where you're at. Because the Father wants to meet you right there. And in that embrace, then He will strengthen. Then He will give courage. And then He will give us the fulfillment of our heart's desires. Amen?